Welcome to Finally Alive Radio with Pastoral Counselor Gary Harris. To find out more, please go to finallyaliveradio.com. We finally hit the double digits here for the book of Acts, and we've been on quite a trip going through this, seeing all the different places that they've gone and talked to. And remember, it all starts in Jerusalem, and it's just exploding, and it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And they've even hit like the outer layers of, I guess, the Jews, right? So they're just expanding and expanding and expanding just as it's supposed to. And the final verse in Acts 9, if you guys remember, verse 43, it says, And he stayed in Joppa, this is, uh, I believe, Peter, for many days with one Simon, a tanner. And that was kind of like, oh man, what what a crazy verse to them, not to us. To us, it's like, oh, okay, that's that's good, wonderful. Remember, you don't touch like dead carcass. Yeah, and he's hanging out with someone who touches de- dead carcass. Do you see the issue? So already it's already cluing you in. Okay, oh man, it's about to get crazy now because a Jew to do that is disgusting, right? They, they're not around that. They don't want to be around it. It's it's ungodly if you, if, just using my own terminology there. But so it's already cluing you in. Here we go, right? So verse or chapter 10, verse 1 at Caesarea, there was a man, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Uh, so he's a soldier. Already it starts off with what? What part of Jewishness is this? It's not. Not at all. This is now full-on Gentile territory, Gentile people that we're talking about. Okay? He's already in Gentile territory, and now we're going right into a Gentile person. But, but this one's a unique situation when we talk about Cornelius, and it's it's kind of I don't, I don't think it's, so, okay, so he's a unique situation. Well, let, let's just read it. I'd, I'd rather you guys see it. So at Caesarea, Caesarea there was a man uh, named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household. So already stopped there. That's the unique situation. Is he a Jew? No, he's not. Italian cohort, okay? Cornelius doesn't even sound like a, Jew, uh, a Jewish name but is a devout man who feared God. That isn't common. So notice what God has done already. God is bringing in, okay, what's the next best thing you can get? So you had the Jews, right? You start with the Jews. You go out uh, the, the outer layers of the, of the Jews, right? And then what's the next best thing I can get? Is someone at least who fears God, okay? This isn't complete, like, complete Gentile. I mean, he's a Gentile, right? It's officially a Gentile, but at least this one fears God. So do you see how it's just getting, like, wider and wider? So... A devout man who feared God with all his household. And there, there's a reason why that's even being said. Because at least to a Jew, it's a little, a little bit easier to, to, to kind of swallow. All right, at least, at least he's a devout man and he fears God. But isn't that weird? It's a Gentile. How does he know? Does he know how to fear God? Does he know what is he even doing? So check this out. He gave alms generously. How does he know how to do that? He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. What is he praying? Is he Jewish? No, he's not Jewish. He's a Gentile, Italian, right? What is he doing? What is he praying? What are his prayers? Where, is he, where, does, where did he even learn how to pray? Was he walking with Jesus when he, they were doing the, uh, the, the, the Our Father? Nope. Where did he get this stuff? But he's doing it, okay? About ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. What? What? The outsider, the Gentiles, prayers. Does he even know how to pray? No. At least at least there's no documents of, of, of us knowing that he knows how to pray. But regardless of him knowing how to pray or not, 
He feared God. How does it say? Devout man feared God, uh, gave alms, and prayed continually. The guy's very devout, and God notices. All right, so verse 5, And now send men to Joppa and bring one, uh, Simon, who is called uh, Peter. So here's an interesting thought here. Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, but why doesn't this angel just tell him, hey, you know what, you're missing a piece here. You know the Jesus guy, I don't know if you heard about him, let me just kind of give you the message. Why doesn't he just do it? There's a couple reasons here. One, not his job to do it. Let's start there. Not his job, all right? His job is, hey, go get the uh, this guy Cornelius, give him this message. He wasn't given the message to preach the gospel. Who's given the message to preach the gospel? You and I are, <laughs> people are, right? So that's one. I think the, the second layer, this is just my own theory, okay? So I'm not saying this is Bible per se. But I think Peter needs to experience talking to this guy before he goes full on Gentile. Well, he's not going to do that job, but he needs to at least go with this guy who is at least a God-fearer and at least prays. All right, because Peter, and you guys know the story, but Peter already has a difficulty with going Gentile. All right, that, that's just my own theory. But uh, the angel of the Lord is here talking to him. He could have just said, hey, you need to trust Jesus. You have to believe in Jesus. Doesn't do any of that. But he has uh, Peter do it. So verse 6, he's lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. And remember what we said about the tanner. Uh, verse 7, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended uh, him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. And now we have uh, Peter here, verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching uh, the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing, preparing it, he fell into a trance. And let's talk about this trance. Ecstasies. Ecstasis is the Greek word for, for this word here, trance. And I remember when I was reading the Greek word, I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember this from a few years ago. So I don't know if, you've, uh, if you guys remember uh, Patricia King and the DJ, Caleb something. So these guys create like a club or something. Do you remember that? They had like a club, Club Mysterio, and they would actually have ecstasis worship, trance worship, right? And it's, I think it's based off of this, the idea of trance. You go into a trance and and you, you experience God in this whole different way, and they have like this, the lights and the pumping music and everything. It's, it's basically a rave, but whatever, right? Forget that part, you know, but it's, it's, you know, the world, bringing the world into the church, whatever. But they take this word, oh, because it's a trance. And then even if you look up the Greek, oh, it's a trance. So they, they just make stuff up at this point. Is that what Peter was experiencing? Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> was he experiencing music? No. Lights? No. What is he experiencing? Now, here's something kind of, I guess, weird, but all connected is Septuagint, Old Testament, uses the word ecstasis in two places. One of them is when Adam is put into a deep sleep. You guys remember that part? I think Genesis 2, 2, I think. Deep sleep. Why? Because the rib is going to be removed, right? The second place is when Abraham is put into, remember the deep sleep? Remember the two carcasses on the floor? And then the, well, the spirit walks in between. He's in deep sleep. It's used for those words in the, in the Septuagint. And it's the same word here. So it's not some weird trance kind of weird thing. It's, it's the idea of a deep sleep. And clearly he's seeing something there. That, that's what that is. So it's not Patricia King stuff. And in fact, that stuff is all wrong. Okay. Completely wrong. All right. Um, I, I think she was, a, she was into witchcraft or she was a witch or something before. Is that, do you remember that? Something like that. I'm not saying she can't be saved, but I'm saying, I'm wondering if some of that stuff is being mixed in into their ministry, quote-unquote. But 
Yeah, definitely not ecstasy's worship, okay? None of that stuff, and that's all just bunk. Anyway, so he falls into a trance, okay? Uh, and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of uh, animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. It's kind of a funny side thought is... Um, you see, he, he uh, denies Jesus three times, right, <laughs> in the Gospels. And then he's like denying him here again. It's like, come on, Peter, like, you've got like this bad habit of just denying the Lord. But he has a difficulty because it's against Judaism. It, he, does, he actually thinks he'll do the wrong thing by, by doing what he's asked. Does that make sense? It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not registering. Rise, kill, and eat? You mean the uncommon animals? Or the unclean animals? No, I, you're not supposed to do that. It freaks him out. Okay, so that, that, that freaks him out. So this happened, he says, uh, I'm sorry. So he says, My, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. And that's, there's, we talked about food laws a while back. But again, this, this is a double whammy on this one. It's telling you that the food laws are done for the New Testament believer. Okay, if you want to stay Jew, stay Jew. You're still under the food laws. All right, if you want to play Hebrew root stuff, Go stay under the, 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 the food laws, but there is no such law under the New Testament, under Christianity, okay? All right, there, there just isn't. So double whammy here is not just the food. There's nothing unclean anymore. You can eat whatever you want, all right? Have at it. But the bigger picture was now the people who were unclean, who were outsiders, will now be able to join, all right? So there's, there's a double whammy here. So this happened, he says, verse 16, three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Uh, now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Now, by the way, let's talk about this uh, ecstatic, ecstasis trance. There's nothing good about this trance that he just came out of, right? He came out perplexed. So that's maybe another piece of proof for this ecstasis worship. Are they coming out perplexed, worried? Oh my gosh. No, I'm sure they're not. They're coming out with goosebumps or whatever, feeling good, you know, that kind of stuff. No, it's, that's not God. It's, it's, it's just a, a music that creates a vibe. That's all it is. It's just certain, you know, if you hit certain notes, you guys know this, you guys listen to certain music for certain reasons. If you're feeling down, you, you, you listen to like faster tempo music or more upbeat music, obviously, right? This is just simple music psychology, right? You do that. That's the same thing that they're doing. They're just using that, you know, to somehow influence people conning it as if it's God, and it's not God. There's nothing about that that's God. Anyway, so now uh, Peter was inwardly perplexed, verse 17, as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. Isn't that funny? Perfect timing, huh? And called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. So check this out. So angel of the Lord, right, calls Cornelius at the right time. Cornelius leaves at the right time. Peter gets a vision. In the middle of being perplexed, coming out of his, his ecstasis moment, you know, almost like, you know, the, the, the knock at the door. It's, it's all like perfect timing. It's just amazing, right? But again, I, I think all of this is to lead Peter, like, Peter, I need you to do this, buddy. I need you to come on. I need you to come out of this. Yes, but I can't, I, I can't eat anything unclean. Buddy, I'm talking to you. Come on, man. I need you to wake up. There's, there's new things happening. Remember, Jesus died, resurrected. Let's go, right? So, so he's, trying to, he's trying to keep him awake here. Verse 19, and while uh, Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. All right, Peter, I know you're still in your little weird trance. Wake up, buddy. All right, come on. Do not hesitate. This is mine. This is my people. 
Why is he doing this? Because they're outsiders. They're Gentiles. This is, this is weird. This is new to, to Peter. All right, remember when he was walking with Jesus and they talk, I think it's John 8, uh, he's talking to the, um, the woman at the well. That's a woman of Samaria, man. We didn't even talk to Samari- Samari- you know, Samaritan women. He's freaking out about Samaritan women. This is even worse for him than the Samaritan woman. Does that make sense? So this is like full-on Gentile. We don't, we don't deal with, with their kind. Really, it's, it's that idea. So he's like, all right, come on, come on. Without hesitation, let's go. Verse 21, and Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you were looking for. What is the, what is the reason for your, uh, your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man. Again, why does he say that? Because, well, he's a Gentile. And for you as a Jew, that's the best way to make this easier for you. Hearing that he's a God-fearing, upright man, hopefully will take a little bit of the edge off. Because you as a Jew, you're not going to be able to handle that. You can't, you can't handle dealing with this Gentile here, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. Why does he say it that way? I'm trying to take the edge off, buddy. All right, he's trying to take the edge off. All right, and really, he, he just wants to be accepted here. So he was directed by a holy angel to send for, send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers uh, from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea, Cornelius, was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down on his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted up saying, uh, stand up, I too am a man. I love that line. I've underlined that line. You know, preachers, I don't know, I'll say, I, I'll say you know, every, every preacher has probably underlined that line because I think, I think there comes a time with, with any preacher, right? Any preacher. People, people will start to probably, you know, worship them, right? And they're, they're not supposed to be worshipped. They're supposed to be pointing them to God. And, and sometimes people, uh, preachers, will forget that. And that's an important line. Stand up, I too am a man. I'm, I'm no different. And that, that's, that's important. Anyway, that's a totally side thing. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many uh, persons gathered. And he uh, said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with, with or to visit any, any one of another nation. Did you guys catch that? He's like, all right, guys, you guys already know this is like a problem, right? Just, just want you guys to know. Do you see how Peter's having issues? Like, there's like hiccups all the way through for Peter. Just can't do it. This guy, just, he just can't do it. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Ah, finally. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. You finally got a little bit of something here. It's an issue for me to be here. But I've, I've realized that God says, don't call anyone uncommon or unclean. Oh, thank God, Peter. Oh, geez. Feel a little bit better. He understood. He finally was able to put the connection with that with the vision he saw and to what he's doing now. All right. That's why everything would have to be done quickly. All right. Without hesitation. Remember that? Without hesitation. Come on, man. Sometimes things have to be done without hesitation. One, because you'll lose motivation. Two, you'll forget the word. I don't know. Anything can happen, right? Or three, they're on a flight. You better catch them. I don't know. It could be anything. Notice the difference of how we started. Stay and wait. And then here it's move without hesitation. So it all depends on what God wants when he wants it. Unfortunately, you'll know why after. It's the way it is. All right. So it's, it's, it's not uh, one or the other. It just depends. So verse 29. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said four days ago about this hour, I, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood uh, before me in bright clothing. And who could that be? Right the angel, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Now, why is that important for Peter to hear? It's, imp- it's important because he has to hear that God is talking to this man too. Why? Because he's a Gentile. 
Do you see how why it was so important? Yeah, the angel, yeah, he could have said it. Well, number one, it wasn't his message, right? The angel of the Lord, he, it wasn't his job to do it. But then this is, the, I think, the second layer. Peter needed to see that a Gentile can be saved. He had to see this. And then he gets the, hopefully, well, I, I think from his perspective, he would have seen it. Oh, wait, the Lord told you this? Oh, and that's why I'm here. And that's why I got that vision. Oh, it's all making sense now. Does that make sense? So verse 32, send, send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded by the Lord. So they're ready to hear it. Think about it. A Gentile is ready to hear what this Jewish man is about to say, right, from their perspective. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right, mine says, is acceptable to him. I crossed out acceptable, and uh, I replaced it with, with a different word that, that kind of will, will work, I think, better. So instead of, ex instead of acceptable to him, I think you're, you're just probably going to say the same thing, right? Accept or acceptable. Verse 35, what is right is acceptable to him. Uh, I've replaced that with acknowledge. I think that makes better sense. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acknowledged to him. And what I, what the idea is this. If someone, okay, let's use Cornelius. Cornelius, not a believer. Even up until this moment, he's not a believer. Even up to what we're reading right now, not a believer. Was he praying to God? Yeah. Uh, does he know Christ? No, he doesn't know Christ. There's no faith in Christ as, as of this moment. Fear of God, yeah, he's got that. The point is, even though you're not a believer, you can still be acknowledged for something. Are you saved? Nope. Can you do good works? Yeah. Will God acknowledge it? Yeah. But are you saved? No. So God can acknowledge, but that doesn't mean the person is saved. All right, that, that's that's an important piece here. I'll give you another example. I, I was thinking about this. Say, um, I don't know, your neighbor, your neighbor, your unbelieving neighbor, right? I don't know, you got a flat and you can't come to church. They offer to bring you to church. Your unbelieving neighbor who doesn't believe in God. In fact, they don't like God. They didn't want to step into church, but they want to drop you off here at church. Would God acknowledge that? Yeah, why not? Uh, let's let's look at some other verses. I, I want to show you guys a couple of things. I'm going to dig a little bit on this one. Let's go to Romans, Romans chapter eight. I don't want to go too far, but let's let's just hit this one in another another book really quick. Romans chapter eight. I might be splitting hairs, so forgive me, guys, but hear me out here. So Romans eight verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, no question about that. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So we're talking about two different laws there, clearly. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So now what do we have? We're talking about flesh versus spirit. Okay, that's going to be different than your buddy dropping you off at church. Okay, this is actually different context. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So th there's your contrast. For to set the mind of the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And, and that's, I guess, what I'm talking about. Did that person dropping you off, the unbeliever, did God acknowledge him? Yeah, it's, it's God like that. Is he saved? No. Does he have the spirit? No, he doesn't. I, I don't know if I'm splitting hairs here, but I, I want you guys to see the difference. An unbeliever can still, the unbeliever can still catch God's attention, but still not saved. All right, I want to make that very clear. Let's go to uh, Hebrews 11, 6. Because I don't know, I've heard in certain, I guess, circles, uh, Hebrews 11, 
If you're an unbeliever, there's no possible way. There, there's, God won't even look your direction. Well, clearly, no. Cornelius is one right there. We saw Cornelius. He wasn't a believer, but he was trying. He was doing his best. He's trying to do the right thing. And what is Hebrews 11? You guys know Hebrews 11, right? It's, it's the faith chapter. So what is the context of this chapter, at least? Faith. So obviously faith. Okay, faith, 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 right? Uh, and, and without reading all the, all the verses, because it's the, the by faith, by faith, by faith, but verse 6, after by faith, uh, Enoch, right? And without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please God. Again, what is the context? You can't please God unless you have faith. But what is the, what is the context of the chapter? It's faith. Obviously, you can't you can't be saved without having faith. But can you can an unbeliever do the right thing and God? Hell, oh, hey, all right, he did the right thing. Darn it, I wish he was saved though. So I don't know if that's splitting hairs, but I want you guys to see these moments. And Cornelius qualifies under the acknowledged. He got acknowledged. So go back to Acts. He catches God's attention. There's probably more like that. There, there's probably many like that out there. There's, there's got to be. Cornelius is one. And there's got to be many still to this day that are out there who, who you know what? And look, I'll say it like this. People I know will watch Joel Osteen. I know. And they think they're doing uh, right by God. I think God will acknowledge that. But eventually, God will have someone come into their lives, right? Unless they deny him, right? Unless they deny God. But God will bring someone into, into their lives because God will acknowledge that. He sees that. All right, so again, I hope I'm not splitting hairs, but you know, we get caught up in stuff like that. But uh, I think that's a better word. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acknowledged by him. Anyway, verse 36, Acts 10, 36. Let's go back. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, in case you forgot. You yourselves know what happened through all Judea, beginning, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power. I like how they've thrown that, that little power in there, right? A little uh, dunamis for you. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And what is, how, how, how are these people oppressed by the devil? Uh, again, a couple layers to this. Oppressed, or like depressed, like that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, they could have been depressed or it's healing, right? So they're being healed of it. But how else can you be, how else could they have been oppressed? Remember, this is pre-Jesus. Everyone is oppressed by the devil. Everyone is. So not just physically or mentally, emotionally, but also spiritually oppressed. Well, think about it. Who is Satan? Satan is the, the god of hell, right? Uh, the uh, lord of, of Sheol, the lord, lord of the, the dead. So guess where everyone goes? They, 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 they go to the, the same place he was in, right? The same, same realm, same place. So yeah, you're going to be oppressed by him. And that's, that's what Jesus did. He undid all of that. So if you think about it, to a degree, the people were owned by Satan for a period, for a period of time. They were, they were in that land of, of Sheol, right? But now, after Jesus, they can no longer be oppressed by the devil. Impossible. If you believe in Jesus, you can no longer be oppressed in the sense of you can't be oppressed to hell. Does that make sense? So a couple layers to that one there. For God was with him, and we are witness of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him, him on a tree. So there you go. He's telling him the gospel, guys. But God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. You know, many people forget about that part. Jesus ate and drank even after he rose from the dead. Uh, only he could do that. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that every, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So there, there's, your, there's your faith. Verse 43. Everyone who believes, there is always a requirement 
And this is the one and only requirement, to believe, right? To have faith. There's no other possible way to be saved. No other possible way. I've, I've become inspired, like, I don't know, like the last couple of weeks to go do this Romans and James thing. It's been on my, on my maybe we'll do it after, after we're done with the Acts, but I think it's because I was reading through James. I'm like, man, oh man, this book is something else, I tell you. And, and I, I guess I'm, I'm uh, so negatively, negatively moved because of how, how much of an impact James has on the church. And I think that's what really uh, affects me because, I don't know, the whole works aspect, man. Okay, darn it. Let me just talk about it really quick. Are there works in Christianity? Yeah, of course. Will you do works? Yeah, of course. Will they save you? Not a single one. <laughs> That's the key. And James, I, I don't know. I don't see it in there. I don't see that aspect. I don't see the aspect of Jesus. I don't see to be saved, you must have faith. I can't think of a time when he says that. Or if he does, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not loud. Where Paul, it's so loud. It's like in your face. There's like no way around it. And then when Paul talks about works, oh, I love the way he breaks down works. Versus James, oh, it's a joke. It's a complete joke. Anyway, oh, that's something we'll talk about. But yeah, yeah, the only way to, to be saved is right there, verse 43, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Nothing about works, nothing about what you must do, just believe. Can I see the belief on you? No, it's impossible. Only God can know. Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all, uh, all who heard the word. Notice what it took for him to talk to the Gentiles. God stepped in. I mean, in a big way, right? First, he talks to Cornelius. Why? Because he acknowledges him. Man, this guy, I like this guy. He's all right. But he's doing a lot of, he's, he's already kind of prepped for it, right? He's already kind of ready for this. He's missing, he's missing the, the, the most important piece, but he's already doing all the other stuff. I, you know, I think he's, he's kind of in the groove. He just needs this one final piece, kind of like Paul, right? So while Peter was still saying uh, these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, basically all his household. All, and, and the believers from among the, the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. This is mind-blowing for them, right? Peter the Jew, right? Mind-blowing. What? The Gentiles too? Yeah. Remember when Jesus said, go out into, not, not Jerusalem, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh my goodness, right? I, but there it is. It's happening. It's actually happening. But note again, notice how much God intervened. Did he control anybody? No, but he moved on people. Hey, you know what? Remember, hey, Cornelius, you caught God's eye. You know, it's up to, your alms are up for memorial, right? And guess what? Today, you, you hit the lucky ticket, man. You got the golden ticket today, man. You're, you're meeting, uh, forget Willy Wonka, that's a joke. This one, you, you're, you're, you're going to meet Jesus now. So the whole house is saved. Holy Spirit uh, was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues. Look at that. Whenever the Holy Spirit falls, speaking in tongues, Seems to be like the next line. I want you guys to notice those things. And extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for, for baptizing these people who had received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now, that's an interesting, really quick, we'll close on this. But um, notice the baptism. There really isn't an order. It's fine. You can be baptized right after you're saved and then receive the Holy Spirit. You can be a believer, get the Holy Spirit, and then get baptized. It's okay. They're, they're, you're not wrong for doing it anyway, but do all of them, all right? Uh, definitely be saved, no question about that. Definitely get the Holy Spirit, and definitely get baptized. At least the, these three are, are key, and we, I think we've discussed all, all three aspects of, of these. But here we are. We've, we've finally cracked through to the Gentile world, and it took this guy. This guy was so important, Cornelius. Why? He's already prepped. He's already ready. That, that, that helps us kind of ease, ease our way in. Like, okay, 
this is possible. This can actually happen. It makes it a lot easier for us to go talk to other Gentiles now because it's already happened here. But this guy was ready. Do you see? So God, God, God will acknowledge, but he also had a reason to acknowledge this guy. And notice what he is. Is he just a peon? No, he's not. He's not. He's a top dog. Remember we talked about that? Top dogs. God has something about top dogs, all right? Not that he doesn't, he doesn't care about the rest, but notice where he starts with Gentiles. Top dogs. Thank you for listening to today's message. 2 Corinthians 9-7 tells us that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If this message has been a blessing to you, we ask that you be a cheerful giver to this ministry by going to finallyalive.com forward slash give. We'll meet you again next time as we grow together and learn to be finally alive in Christ.